welcome back to the Anxiety Slayer podcast. I'm Shan Vanderlee, here with my wonderful friend and co-host, Ananga Sivir. We come together weekly from Kent and Leelanau to share Anxiety Slayer sessions with you and answer listener questions from our inbox and Facebook page, along with our private group. Together, we share a powerful collection of techniques to reduce anxiety. And today, we're discussing how to manage anxiety when facing a serious medical test like a biopsy or blood test, and how to support yourself getting through the test and while waiting for the results. Hello, Ananga. Hey, Shen. Well, here we are talking about something that we both know yeah, and both have dealt with uh, quite a bit in the short term over these last few years. Yeah. And anxiety is absolutely part of the medical testing process for everyone for us as well. And today we're going to talk about how to learn to care for yourself before, during, and after a serious medical test. Yeah, this has been coming up a lot in our private Facebook group, hasn't it, last few weeks? Yeah. Fear of the white coats, uh, fear of tests, waiting for results, and it's a particularly challenging time. It's challenging for anyone, but if you're living with anxiety, then of course it's going to heighten the anxiety. So I think we begin by, as we so often do, um, just expressing self-appreciation and self-compassion that nobody likes to be scrutinized in this way. Um, so softening towards yourself. Most people are uncomfortable with medical scrutiny. We don't like being focused on in a place that's set up to examine our bodies and look for potential problems. Even if I'm at the dentist, I'd rather he gave me the lowdown on each individual tooth. That one's okay. That one's okay. <laughs> I don't really want to wait while they go all the way around for 15 minutes and then tell you if it's okay or not. I like a bit of instant feedback. So self-compassion comes first, knowing ourselves, understanding ourselves, being kind about anxiety and accepting how we feel with no judgment because judgment just brings harshness and increased suffering. It sure does. One of the things that has been helpful for me over the last year, because I've been in this position a, a few times in the last 12 months, was to also communicate with my caregiver to let them know that I suffer from health anxiety sometimes, that I get more anxious, that I do have that, that white coat syndrome, as we've talked before in the past about what happens to my blood pressure when I go to the doctor. My blood pressure is just fine when I'm not at the doctor. And so sometimes just letting them know how you feel in the process, Mm -hmm. because for them, it's second nature. It's something that they're doing every day. And they're very black and white sometimes. Yeah. And we are not. We are not all black and white. We need just a little bit more support and sweetness from our caregivers. And if you're not getting that, it's time to find a new caregiver. Absolutely, because it's there in the word, caregiver, mm-hmm. not anxiety giver, not lecture giver. Right. <laughs> we absolutely have the right to to shift around until we find somebody that we're comfortable with. And I think also what you've just described is it's a form of self-compassion because you're going in and saying, okay, this is how it is for me. So you're you're giving them the chance to respond. Yes. And adjust how they deal with a patient that needs some consideration in that area and are absolutely our right to to say that. And I think it's self-respecting. 
I had a experience with a dentist a while back, and he's fairly new to his profession. And before that, we'd been seeing the same guy for a long, long time. And he was on his way out, new guy on his way in. Well, new guy on his way in is trying to be extra communicative about everything, meaning that if you need to go in for a crown, he's going to tell you that it's possible that while he's grinding down the tooth, that there will be a crack in the tooth. And if there's a crack in the tooth, then he won't be able to do the crown because then if he can't do the crown, then they might have to remove the tooth and you might need to, right? Mm -hmm. So by the time he's doing that, you can just like see me sitting there putting my fingers in my ears and going, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I don't want to take that story to where he's telling me it might go. Yeah, because it's a what if. Because it's a what if and it, and it kicks up your anxiety. So I, Absolutely. I asked him, I said, please, if you think I need a crown, then tell me that you think I need a crown because my tooth is cracked, period. And if I decide to get the crown, and if we're in this position and something happens, we'll deal with it then. But by giving me all of these what-ifs, chances of me doing this are very slim. And the chances of me finding another dentist who will respect my wishes is very strong. Yeah. Anyway, that I know went off on a tangent. <laughs> I think it's valid. And, and again, you know, you and I were discussing earlier, Shan, that we'll always share what we think is helpful to others. Yes. And this is that, you know, we're all in the same boat. Yeah. So I think it's good to know that and, and absolutely important to know that if we're not happy with one healthcare practitioner, whether, whether it's doctor, dentistry, whatever the, the profession is, we have the right to voice our concerns to express the support we feel we need and we have a choice and we can go elsewhere. Yes. And I think that's very important to go somewhere where you are most comfortable. Yeah, I'm grateful. My, my primary care physician actually has her practice in a beautiful Victorian home setting. And there's just something, and I would still my blood pressure would still go up when I go there. <laughs> but when you're in the, the waiting room is like a living room. And then her office is like a, a beautiful, you know, bedroom, I guess, uh, with the exam table. And it's up to you whether you want to disrobe or not. And it's up to you whether you want to get on the scale or not. Mm. And the way that, that she sits with you and stuff. But it took me a few uh, doctors to find her. Mm -hmm. Again, this could be a, an entire episode on, on just this, but I finally found the team that I feel most comfortable with. Yeah. And that's not to say, oh, yay, I get to go to the doctor because I don't ever feel that way. But that to know that I have these people in place who get it, who get that I might be, you know, more... Uh, sensitive than than somebody else coming in mm -hmm. and that's okay yeah and treat you with respect mm -hmm. yeah. yeah because that doesn't mean that i'm weak it doesn't mean that uh that there's anything air quotes wrong with me i just happen to be in that particular form where my mind can go 
and get very uncomfortable in that space. I don't like it. And if they know that, then they can be sweeter with me. Yeah. And I love how chill you are with yourself overall. I think it's really important. So again, it comes back around to self-compassion. Yeah. Not for us to be harsh on ourselves because we're uncomfortable. And of course, our resilience can be fluctuating. So that's also important to know is, you know, don't worry if at some point you find that you're coping with a test not so well as a previous test. perhaps, And you might think, well, why am I being like this this time when I cope with the last one? Okay. That's just a very similar thing to when we were recently discussing anxiety relapse. We need to look at what's going on around us. How's our nutrition? How's our environment? How are our stress levels? You know, maybe we're not coping as well because we've got a lot going on right right now. So, you know, to know that resilience fluctuates, it's not set in stone. It doesn't come with a guarantee certificate that it's no, it's not going to expire. So we need to really keep with the self-care and the things that help us feel calm and comfortable. And if we've got something coming up that's challenging, then we need to take even better care of ourselves. And that's why it's important to talk to a trusted friend or family member about where you're at and how you're feeling along with the self-care. It's also incredibly important to stay busy during this time so that you're not allowing yourself just to sit and stew and worry and create, you know, stories with the way that our minds will carry us off and into the storyland. Stay busy and and of course, pray. Sit and pray and ask for support and whatever your practice looks like for you. We're all different, but having that connection, I know for you and I, Ananga, is huge. Mm-hmm. That we are supported, that we ask not to be uh, given anything greater than we can't handle. And you know that very well. Yeah, these things are really important to look into because we can become quite paralyzed by anxiety when we're we're dealing with tests. And the mind likes to do what your young dentist did and do all the what ifs and take it to the, the worst possible conclusion. And I think to stay grounded in where we find shelter is really important. So I know for myself, when facing a, a very serious diagnosis, just coming up for uh, five years ago now, and I'm not giving specifics or using names because I don't want to trigger anyone who's listening, but I'll share that this was a very serious situation in case it's helpful to our listeners to get some ideas from, from how I coped. And that time involved several scans and examinations and a lot of waiting. One period of waiting was three weeks and it was a really, you know, black or white, pretty heavy um, piece of information that was going to come at the end of that three weeks. And then after I had surgery, there was another two weeks waiting for um, information to come back on the findings during uh, surgery and where I would find out just how serious my predicament was. And for me, the first thing was to go, as as you said, Shan, talk to a friend. Um, my first response was to go to friends and to choose those friends carefully. Very carefully. Yeah. You know in your heart the people you're going to go to when the chips are down. But we should really check in on that and make sure that we're going to go to somebody that can hold space 
So I went to two particular friends immediately after a really intense call from a doctor that was a, a sit down, I have bad news for you call. I remember that. Yeah. And uh, immediately went, went to friends and chose friends where I could hug them and speak and just be completely whatever I needed to be. And uh, knowing that those two friends were being incredibly present for me. And that was absolutely the best choice at the time. And you, Shan, were also very present for me, not physically, regrettably, as we're in different countries, but emotionally, I knew you were right there and holding space. And that's such a huge gift at such challenging times. And I found that at those times, we can find ourselves even closer to our friends Mm -hmm. uh, when you go through those things beautifully together. And the love that comes in. Mm-hmm. The love and support and, you know, it's in times of adversity that we really feel that care come in. So that's a silver lining in the cloud. And for me, my spiritual practice was also the greatest comfort to me. My personal prayer was for strength to accept whatever was meant to be, that I could do so with with grace and settle into with full acceptance whatever was coming and and be at peace with that. And I practice Japa meditation, as I've mentioned before on the show, daily at home. But also I practice my Japa meditation on my meditation beads in waiting rooms. I think it's very important when we're in waiting situations to have what we go to for comfort with us, whether we're waiting at home for test results or we're in a medical facility, to really be comfortable um, being in contact with what brings us comfort. My husband will come with me whenever possible. And I can't remember a time when it wasn't possible. And just preoccupy me and hold my hand and just be with me. And then so kindly waiting for me to go through whatever needs to be done and then and then come out. And that comfort of, of having him there is huge. Yeah as it would be to be able to pray, whatever it is that works for you, whatever it is that's possible for you to to move through that time with as much grace and, and sweetness as possible. Yeah. I remember a friend telling me some years ago she went through a very difficult um, health crisis and she was traveling. She was in India and she was taken to a facility where there was kindness, but it was not what you'd be used to in the UK or America. It was quite rustic. And she told me that the realization she had was that you can't go spiritually deeper at such times than the level you've already attained. Whatever level of faith you've attained, it's there for you to draw on. But you can't expect to to go deeper than you've already built that mm-hmm. relationship and, and built that faith and built that understanding of whatever your practice is, whatever your faith is. And I always thought that was a very, uh, a very sage understanding. And we had a really good talk about that. And it's something I've um, thought about often over the years. So, you know, not to wait until we're looking at a serious situation, but so that every day we have this opportunity to go deeper with reading, with studying, with, with meditation, with whatever our practice is, so that it's nourished and treasured, and it's there for us to draw on at difficult times. Hmm. There are a number of, of other resources and things that 
are very supportive during this period of time. And we talk about Bach flowers so much. I feel like we should be, I don't know, a part of their business. (laughs) (laughs) But the Bach flower remedies to be able to mix a remedy for this particular scenario is incredibly helpful. And even if you just have the rescue remedy, yeah, straight up rescue remedy is great. But if you get into it like you and I have, where you have all of the remedies, you can start to craft something specifically to help you get through what you're facing. And it's just such a another sweet area of support. So you have friendship and you have self-care and you have your spiritual practice and then you have these flower essences. Uh, We talk about the calming point all the time. We talk Mm. about EFT tapping and creative ways to use tapping. There's all of these beautiful tools at your fingertips to help you be as comfortable and calm and relaxed as you can be while you're in this process. Absolutely. And we need all of them. Mm-hmm. We need a, a a broad approach where we've got, you know, a different menu of items that we can we can tune into when we need them. I think the calming point is fantastic for when you're in a medical facility and you're waiting to get results or, you know, you there might be a delay while you're waiting to be seen. So just pressing the thumb of your right hand into the palm center of the palm of your left hand and just taking slow, steady breaths, making your exhalation longer than your inhale. So focusing on your out breath. When we're anxious, we tend to breathe in shallowly mm-hmm. and, and puff our breath out. So we need to breathe out long exhalation, counting our breaths, whatever we can do to just help ourselves feel calm and, and grounded in the moment. And EFD tapping in the face of serious news or what if thoughts, Whatever's coming, tapping is incredible. And uh, you can use it in really interesting ways. I mean, we've talked a lot about describing your fear and tapping through your fear. Even if you just learn that, it's worth learning tapping thoroughly just to know how to do that, where you tap for, even though I'm terrified of this upcoming test or whatever it is for you to name it and tap through it. And you can find out how to do that on our website at anxietyslayer.com forward slash EFT. You can find out the tapping points there to use and some more information. But I really recommend that you get to know EFT thoroughly so you can call on it and you have it there in your arsenal of tools. One of my favorite ways to use EFT is to calm the shock after serious medical news or to calm the shock where we think there's something up with us that that needs attention where if we make a discovery or a symptom in our body and we can get very triggered by that with the FT tapping, you can really calm that anxiety down very, very quickly. And other ways you can use it. One thing I used it for was I had a hospital letter come through with serious information in it. So it came through in this white envelope with the blue NHS UK Mm. stamp, the National Health Service on the corner. It's quite a distinctive little stamp and envelope. So the next time one of those came through the letterbox, it was bearing um, better news. But I saw that stamp and that letter come through and my body's trigger. triggered. Yeah, it's a trigger. It becomes a trigger because the last time that letter came, it had a heavy diagnosis. So get the letter, put it on the desk and tap until it just becomes more neutral. 
piece of paper, information, it's information. So using EFT like that can be really helpful. Even just tapping through the points, get the diagram, tap through the points and just say white coat, the white coat, fear of the white coat, whatever dialogue is running for you, use the tapping and diffuse that. And these are all triggers that we can we can turn down. And as we turn the anxiety down, our resourcefulness comes up, our humor comes up, our coping strategies come up. Everything comes up, yeah. Everything comes up and we can really bring our resilience up with it and uh, becomes a much more comfortable experience. We also talk about the importance of what's at the root of the fear. Yeah. And you just mentioned, you know, whether it be white coats or, or what, what have you, but there's also, is it the scrutiny that, that you find uncomfortable? Is it the fear of the potential unwanted outcome? Uh, is it anxiety over your mortality? What, what is it for you? And it might be, and it might be all of them. Yeah. It might be the tests themselves. Yeah, exactly. Just the tests themselves. The last test that I had, the, uh, the doctor who I trust very much said, this is not a big deal. And for 95% of the folks who take this test, there's basically, she did everything she could because she knows me everything she could to help me feel as comfortable as I possibly could before the test, mm -hmm. which I'm grateful for. It was, it was a big help. But I was still uncomfortable with the test itself and needed to do some tapping around that. And then, by the grace of God, had the sweetest, most wonderful technician for that test who gave me just a little bit of information on my way out the door. Mm. That made me feel like all is well. Mm -hmm. And I think you remember me telling you that because it was just yeah. like, okay. And it was yeah, just, it was a statement that was just like, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about it. You, you know, you'll, you'll hear soon or something like that. Yeah. They can never be really specific because it's not, they just can't. But this is a woman who looks at these things every day. Yeah. And then there was a delay, wasn't there? And then there was a delay. There was a delay twice, yeah. where, where it was three weeks for both. That three-week thing. <laughs> That's too long. It's intense. As you're saying that, I'm remembering what, you know, my three-week wait and, and what did I do? Because you, you referenced Shan earlier, uh, keeping busy. Yeah. And I think it's important to say that how we keep busy will really affect how we cope. So if we're going to scroll or go on Google, that's not going to help us mm -mm. feel better. So to keep away from the screens, to keep away from medical dramas or any drama that's going to just heighten our adrenaline and heighten our anxiety. So what I chose to do, I really like to listen to lectures, spiritual lectures. I like to listen to um, Vedic teachings. So I was listening to classes and lectures from different people that have inspired me over the years. And I find the more good stuff I can put in my ears and in my head, the less my head is left to turn over itself. What's the saying? An idle mind is the devil's workshop. So fill your mind with good stuff. So that really helped me putting my headphones in and listening. And then because I was waiting for a really heavy diagnosis, I um, did a double whammy, <laughs> as I do like to do. I like to be really lock my mind down. So I was coloring in. And uh, I bought some beautiful new pencils. 
And I was gifted a gorgeous colouring book of nature scenes and scenes of birds, quite intricate. So I had to concentrate. And so then in comes mindfulness, choosing the colours, learning a little bit more about shading and blending and just being creative and getting involved in that, immersed in that while listening to something. And that really helped me pass the time peacefully. Mm-hmm. Anytime we divert ourselves and come away feeling worse, it's the wrong keeping busy. So if, you know, for example, video games or television, they can really bring our vata up. So while you're watching it, while you're playing a game, you feel diverted. But when you stop, if you feel worse, um, and then what we tend to do is go back to that activity because we can't stand to be with that feeling. That's not helping. It's keeping busy in a way that's exacerbating the anxiety. So whether it's mindful walking, uh, mindful baking, something creative, listening to audiobooks, listening to other people that inspire you and you uh, admire their strength and their coping skills. There's incredible people out there, Tara Brach, Renee Brown, so many people we can listen to, these courageous, wonderful people. Whatever helps us feel steadied and inspired and see a bigger picture than what we're fixating in on in that difficult moment. That's a good way to keep busy. So it's more like occupational therapy sure, than just that vata, busy, busy kind right. of energy, which, which just feeds the anxiety more. Well, I think we've covered quite a few topics to support our listeners through any medical testing process. Please understand that you are not alone in this, that there are a, a number of things that you can do that we've just outlined here. And one day at a time, and be, be as sweet with yourself as you possibly can. And remember that in the majority of cases, the, the news isn't even close to as scary as what you might create in your mind. Yeah, there's that um, the saying that fear spells out false evidence appearing real. So often, often it's that. Often the mind's filling in the blanks in the most terrifying way. And even if we need help, it's the right help. So as calm and as positive as we can be about that. Yes. That's what we need to do. There are many, many ways to make peace with our fear, and that's what we need to do and continue to work on that. I think the very last thing that we forgot to talk about today, or I forgot to bring up today, is uh, healing affirmations. If you like working with affirmations, I highly recommend that you create some for yourself in this time where you can say, in this moment, I am healthy. In this moment, all is well. Or, my body is healthy. The list goes on and on, right? Create a a page full in your journey and, and recite these affirmations. And really feel them, invite them into your body and it's something that uh, I find to be quite helpful, very, very useful. And you've recorded some. Oh, I have. We have some as part of our, uh, I believe, part of our uh, first responder course for health anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're there. 
let's say, let's share some of our resources because we we have some uh, the SOS tapping sessions and guided quick anxiety stopper three point tapping practice are available in our first responder course for anxiety attacks. These are very very helpful sessions, and then in our first responder course for health anxiety, you'll find our guided tapping sessions for calming the fear that there may be something wrong with you, as well as the healing affirmations that we just mentioned, and a lesson on Bach flower remedies that help most with health anxiety and how to create your own supportive blend. So we've put a lot of content together for you, and you can find both of these courses at anxietyslayer.teachable.com. Yeah, it's all about, again, taking action in self-care, trying something that helps trying something that helps you feel calm and positive and at peace while you're waiting. And the worst thing we can do is just sit and let our mind just pretzel over on itself, get tangled up in these, in these fear thoughts. There are definitely things we can do that can help, help us feel more calm and more positive, more at peace. 